0: Welcome to New England Take on WKXL 1450 AM 103.9 FM and NHTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. You can listen to New England Take Fridays at 6 p.m. and Mondays in the 6 a.m. hour of WKXL in the morning, which I host from 6 to 8, Monday through Friday. All right, today I am joined by Emma Tobin. She's the Chief Program Officer for the International Institute of New England. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Alright, you guys are doing, I found out about you guys through, through everyone else covering you the, in the news with the uh, re- recent Afghan withdrawal has left a lot of uh, uh, refugees and immigrants uh, f- uh, coming all over the world, but New England is not exempt from that. There are many Afghan immigrants that are actually going to be coming to New England, and that's what you guys do, correct? Do you assist the people moving over?
1: Yeah, So the International Institute of New England is a refugee resettlement agency, and we provide a wide range of services for refugees and immigrants who are already in the country as well. And we are gearing up to resettle um, 250 Afghan evacuees in Massachusetts and New Hampshire.
0: How does that look for you guys when like how do you how do you find the people that end up being put into your program?
1: Yeah, so we don't have to find them. Um, the resettlement agencies across the country are all partnered with, with a national agency, of which there are nine different national agencies. So we work really closely with the US Committee for Refugees and Immigrants, our national agency. They basically send us cases or send us cases, and those could be a single individual fleeing Afghanistan or you know, a family of You know six or seven or eight people and we know about those cases that are assigned to us and we start to prepare for their arrival um we greet them at the airport and then we um start their their services and help them start to set up their lives in the united states
0: so you're very definitely integral to them just starting a new life in an entirely new country and i'm assuming most of them don't necessarily speak english
1: well with this particular group of people there actually may be quite a few of them who do speak English. So, I mean, obviously the U.S. had a 20 year presence in Afghanistan and a lot of the people who are being, who were evacuated and who are, you know, seeking safety had some involvement with the U.S. military or government or non-governmental organizations. And so there is a fair amount of English spoken within, um, within the Afghan community. But we don't know. We haven't met these people yet. And I think either way, whether or not a refugee group speaks English, A resettlement agency plays an incredibly important role in their in their early, you know, early days and, you know, weeks and and months, especially in the in the U.S. And some of them continue to, you know, get support from us for for their first few years here.
0: So what sort of services are provided when they get to the country?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, at the very beginning, it's a flurry of. You know almost like logistics like we literally pick up people at the airport and we bring them to you know a place to stay a safe place to stay in the case of refugees arriving in kind of normal times that's usually an apartment that we've found and rented and furnished for them in the case of these afghans who are arriving kind of rapid fire it may be hotel rooms or home stays with volunteers we make sure they have a warm you know meal that first night and then in the us we come back the next morning and try to assess their needs start to enroll them in programs you know, make all the, take all the steps we need to take towards getting children enrolled in school, adults enrolled in in English classes if they need them, um, help them to apply for employment authorization documents and start to move towards finding jobs. So it's, um, it is, you know, comprehensive services. We also do have an in-house legal immigration services team. So two immigration attorneys and a couple of other staff who help people basically take the steps towards citizenship. So to get green cards, to reunite with family members and eventually become U.S. citizens.
0: Yeah. And I, so I guess ask the kind of difficult question about what's going on with the current situation is people were rushed out of the country, essentially. And there's literally uh, bases across the world uh, where people are getting processed and trying to make sure that they're going where they're should be going or if they even should have left the country from the beginning. I mean, do you guys have any idea of the people that you're going to be assisting if they come? Have they already been through that process or not?
1: Yeah, they will have all been through that process. So Afghans who were evacuated um, were brought to, you know, Various parts of Europe and some, you know, countries and some Gulf state countries where they underwent um, intensive screening, you know, and, and and received security clearance, and then they're traveling from there. If they're destined for the United States, they've been through that process. They then travel to the United States and receive additional screening and processing in, on these army bases in the U.S. And that includes, you know, medical screening as well. So the people who arrive in our services have been through all of that, and we will be focused on providing them with the things they need and not not on those steps, which will have happened before.
0: So what does life look like a month after they've been in the country? I mean, they've, um, are you, I'm assuming the goal is to find employment, assist with finding employment for the adults. So you talked already about getting the kids enrolled in schools, which is, which is obviously a great help. Uh, but what does it look like to get them kind of integrated into the community with regards to ha- being independent?
1: Yeah, I mean, people take steps every day towards, You know integration and self-sufficiency you know i think a month in looks different for everybody right in some cases we do have clients who arrive in the us and get jobs really fast and uh, you know a month in they're having their first day at their at their new job and 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 taking that really important step and for other clients success looks like knowing how to walk from their apartment to our office you know a month in everybody arrives in a different place with different English skills, with different professional, you know, background and education. So it's a different journey for everybody.
0: What's it like in the community? I mean, they obviously have neighbors. They're not being put in some isolated part of town. Uh, what's what's the community reaction to the the people you resettle?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we work in a lot of different communities because we have offices in Boston and Lowell, Massachusetts, and then in Manchester, New Hampshire. We also work in Nashua, New Hampshire. And so, you know, we're hearing from all the communities where we work. And I would say that the response is overwhelmingly positive. I mean, for the most part, we're just scrambling to keep up with the calls and, and emails we're getting offering the support. You know, people are saying, How can I help? How can I help? What can I do? And trying to get back to everybody. And and I think this is kind of a, you know, uniquely special refugee resettlement situation where Americans feel obligated to help resettle Afghans um, in maybe a way that they didn't they don't about some other refugee groups so um yeah we're just getting an incredible amount of support the communities where we work also tend to be you know they're pretty diverse cities and so it's not like we're talking about, you know, communities full of people born a in the 2,000-person
0: rural town in the middle no, of Colossi County.
1: No, we're not. Afghans are going to join these diverse communities, and especially in the cases of Lowell and Boston, they're going to join other Afghans who already live in those towns. So, um, yeah. Which we, must be a huge
0: up. help for you guys, being able to put them in a community where there are already people who have resettled.
1: Yeah, it's a huge help. I mean, we have, I have Afghan colleagues. um, We have, you know, uh, Afghan interpreters on our staff. We're hiring two Afghan uh, Dari and Pashto speaking caseworkers right now, which essentially means they will be from Afghanistan. And so, yeah, it's an incredible help on that level. And then the community itself has really just said, what can we do? Put us, put us to work.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine, uh, I mean, there's been a lot of news about veterans trying to, yeah. who were in the wars, trying to make sure that the interpreters they worked with or the contractors they worked with that were locals uh, managed to get out of the country. So I'd imagine the uh, veteran communities really stood up to make sure that um, those pe- the people that they worked with um, are taken care of when they come back.
1: The veterans groups have done they're saying we've got trucks we'll go pick up furniture we'll set up apartments and what do you want us to do we'll mobilize volunteers and then and then all the others saying you know i want to teach civics to afghans oh, wow. when i arrive and pe- people have been um pretty incredible and i would say this issue definitely taps into all parts of our of our society we're hearing from you know faith groups of every religion it, it just just every every person you can imagine wants to be part of this
0: what are the ways the local communities assisting you?
1: Yeah, so right now we are we are fundraising, and the local communities have been really incredible and really generous, and you know contributing to to that effort. Um, there are other groups that are. Um, gathering supplies so you know we're going to need to set up apartments and make sure people have you know clothing and, and kitchen supplies and, and school supplies all the things you need um, because most of these people fled without any of their belongings so we have groups gathering those items we have people setting up you know, Amazon wish lists so that they can buy things for these people. We've got people collecting gift cards um, so that, you know, the arrivals will be able to, you know, pick out their own winter coat if that's, if that's what they want to do. And so we have people helping us in all kinds of ways. And then once the Afghans actually arrive, we have volunteers who will help with, you know, setting up apartments, serving meals if people are potentially in a hotel, um, teaching English classes, grocery shopping, everything you can imagine.
0: Before we proceed with this, I just want you to get a quick plug out there on how people can, can get a hold of you guys to assist.
1: Absolutely. So if you are interested in supporting us, please visit our website. It's iine.org. Um, there's, you know, a page on there that tells you about volunteering. There's a page that tells you about, you know, giving of, of, of home goods and supplies. And of course, there is a link to donate to our efforts.
0: We're speaking with Emma Tobin, Chief Program Officer with the International Institute of New England. So going forward, I mean, do you predict to be receiving a lot more uh, people coming into the country through your program over the coming? I'd imagine it's going to be a couple of years before a lot of the evacuees are sorted out.
1: I think we really don't know the timeline, but as of now, we're expecting it to be shorter than that. I mean, they're they're saying, you know, people are arriving on these bases and that they're going to try to get them, you know, to their final destinations within, you know, six months or so. We have no idea if that is what will actually happen. But I think it's important to know that my agency and many other agencies like mine resettle refugees all year round all the time whether or not they're from they're from afghanistan or from another country this is what we do so you know we're gonna serve and resettle afghans for for the time that they're coming and and then we're going to keep serving and resettling everyone else that we've been welcoming for for decades
0: what would you say is the biggest hurdle you guys deal with uh when it comes to resettling people
1: that's a great question um We're really lucky in in New England that we have, you know, welcoming communities. We have an amazing um, education system. The health care, mass health um, in in Massachusetts is a huge bonus for us. I mean, there are great jobs. I think housing is a challenge for for anybody living in in Massachusetts or New Hampshire. I mean, it's not only
0: the worst possible year for it. I mean, what are you talking about?
1: I mean, yeah, maybe I'm trying to present <laughs> it a little disaster. gently. H- housing is a problem right now. And, and, you know, housing housing in New England is old and it's limited. And and that that's a challenge. And it's going to be a challenge of the situation.
0: I mean, what are some ways that I mean, is it just the markets essentially are or, or the biggest thing, just like anyone else looking to find an apartment?
1: Yeah, I mean, and there's been, you know, we've had the eviction moratorium, which has been incredibly important for people struggling to pay their bills. It also means very few people are actually, you know, moving um out of apartments and there mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of they're not a lot of open units. Um so that is going to be a struggle. I mean, we do resettle people who, you know, have physical disabilities and and use wheelchairs from time to time. And you know, accessible housing in New England is is very limited. So, you know, we do struggle. The incredible thing in this situation is that people you know community members are reaching out about whether they can host someone in their home so we're hearing from people that say i would like to i have two extra bedrooms i have an in-law apartment or just you know i've got a fold-out couch can i can i host afghan um evacuees in my home and that is pretty remarkable
0: it's uh, it seems unique to me that you guys also have a um have the immigration attorneys on staff that can assist with uh, the could be a very laborious and confusing process. I work with uh, lawyers extensively, and they um, there's a lot of uh, finesse when it comes to getting things filed correctly. I mean, do you uh, can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I mean our our immigration legal services team they are superheroes. Um they are, you know, people with with law degrees, they could go and do any kind of job they want and instead they, you know, they help, you know, low-income immigrants for the most part become US citizens and they work so selflessly and 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 so hard and so successfully and and you know, through their efforts the people we serve, you know, we can help them find jobs and housing and um and you know, get an education. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a pathway to become a citizen, what what's the point? Because you're, you're never really going to be able to to fully call this country yours, um, even though, I, you know, I think lots of people have a right to call this country theirs. And the work that our legal services team does. Just it really humbles me. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, And it makes sure that they they actually fully integrate into the community, because if you're afraid that any moment you're going to get deported, you're less likely to um, started start a business I mean that's been like the backbone of this country or immigrants coming in and starting new businesses because they come from different backgrounds yeah. that don't necessarily exist in the communities they move into so to, and I'd imagine banking and such is almost impossible if you're uh, for getting loans and such for starting businesses or trying to get a house or things like that is gonna be very hard if you don't have that path to citizenship
1: yeah, I mean, certainly, a, you know, undema- undocumented people face all kinds of challenges in doing the things that you just talked about. I mean, the people we serve are by and large, you know, refugees and other people with a humanitarian status that does get them access to things oh, like
0: that's great. And,
1: and loans. And so refugees come into the country with a, um, a clear pathway to a green card within a year and then to becoming U.S. citizens within five years. So they do have it is a pathway, but. That doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean they don't yeah, need no, a still, on still, their team still the government them do it, right? And with these Afghan evacuees, just to you know, make, just to emphasize, they don't have that status. They're not coming in with refugee status, and so their pathway to U.S. citizenship is a little less certain.
0: All right, so we got about five minutes left. I'd love to talk about what the International Institute of New England is, <laughs> uh, when did it start, and so uh, what is the mission? Is it primarily working with uh, refugees?
1: Yeah, so the International Institute of New England it was founded in 1918 in the city of lowell it was originally part of the YWCA, and it kind of you know grew out of the ywca and became its own independent organization um and today it's this three-site organization in boston lowell and manchester new hampshire um our mission is is very specifically to to support refugees and immigrants and we um are, are we want them to to succeed and to integrate in the united states and and we do that through um refugee resettlement um career services adult education and providing pathways to citizenship
0: What's the funding model for you guys
1: yeah so we are definitely both publicly and privately funded so we have um state and and federal funding um in in both of the states where we operate and then we have um private funding which looks like you know gifts from individuals grants from foundations and um Corporate um, corporate gifts as well. So we really have a pretty diversified uh, funding model, and and the refugee resettlement program, which is kind of at the at the core of everything that we do, is actually defined by the federal government as a public private partnership. And what they mean by that is we're going to fund this program, but we also expect you to go out and secure other resources to to fully make it work. And that's what resettlement agencies do all around the country. We kind of leverage support from our communities. Um, to, to resettle refugees.
0: What's the staffing look like? Is it a, a small group that makes it look huge or is it a, a large group working their butts off?
1: <laughs> I think it's a medium-sized group working their butts yeah. off. <laughs>
0: um, we're,
1: we're, we're right around 60, 60 full-time employees oh, between great. our three offices. So yeah, we're not tiny by any means, but um, we serve over 3,000 people a year. And so for 60 people to collectively serve 3,000 people, you can imagine how hard everybody works. <laughs>
0: Is there, is there a point in the cycle where the people you assist kind of phase out? I mean, is it when they get citizenship, is it when they're just on the process far enough along?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So um, the way that most of our services operate, people are eligible for up to five years after their point of arrival in the United States, particularly if they're somebody with refugee status or something similar, um, typically speaking, they're eligible for that five-year period because at the five-year mark, they can become U.S. citizens. Of course, we've got people who are in our English language classes or who may come to us for legal services who've been in the U.S. for, for much longer than that. Maybe they're trying to bring a family member here. Maybe they're still working on their English. So it's not a hard and fast rule.
0: What's a chief program officer do? <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, good question. These days, I these days I talk to people about Afghanistan, but um, in, in in maybe more normal times, uh, I work really closely with our managing directors of each of our sites, and you know, in partnership with them and their teams, we design programming that meets the needs of the people that we serve, and that you know draws on the strengths of the communities where we work. We secure grants to fund that work. We make sure we're doing things according to the grants that we receive and the needs of our communities. Um, and we, yeah, we just work really hard to make sure we're delivering this comprehensive suite of services. So from from my end, that can look like anything from, you know, sitting down and closing the door and and, and writing something with really concentrated focus to, you know, going out and helping set up an apartment. So my job is pretty, uh, pretty varied
0: <laughs> make it happen basically
1: trying to <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right so give a quick plug where can people support you guys
1: yeah definitely check out our website it's at iine.org I-I-N-E org. you can learn about all of our work there and you can support our work to resettle afghans coming to new england
0: emma tobin chief program officer for the international institute of new england thank you so much for joining me
1: Thank you for having me. All
0: right, it's iine.org. Please definitely check out their site, support them. It's definitely a worthwhile uh, co- group to, to work with, especially as we uh, look at the many people that are leaving Afghanistan looking for new homes all over the world. So let's definitely support the ones coming to our part of the country. You're listening to New England Take on WKXL, 1450 AM, three point nine FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, A.J. Kirsten.